Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Irma Neal about shifting the paradigm to reap the benefits from difficult situations and to stay calm in the midst of chaos. Irma Neal, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to talk with you today. And it was fun chatting and getting to know you a little bit in the pre-interview. You have so much expertise in the area that we're going to be discussing today, which is finding ways to reap benefits from the difficult situations that we find ourselves in. And how do we stay calm in the midst of chaos? And so we're going to talk about paradigm shifts and the way we think about these difficult situations we face. And of course, we're all in the middle of this, you know, at the tail end, hopefully the tail end of a year long pandemic right. situation that everyone's, you know, had to struggle through. And it, it, while it's been challenging, it's also provided a lot of opportunity to learn and to grow. And again, in relation specifically to your area of focus, you know, where, how do we find the, the good things that come from the pandemic? How do we turn, uh, you know, these difficult situations into learning opportunities? How do we stay calm uh, amidst the difficulties? And then ultimately, you know, through a growth mindset, adopt and adapt and and grow into the new opportunities. So that's what we'll be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Irma's bio with everybody. Irma grew up as the oldest in a Midwest family of eight. During her upbringing, she saw firsthand how not to manage money, the collection letters and calls, utilities being disconnected month after month. As a result, these childhood experiences propelled a life of financial discipline and focus. Today, Irma is financially independent and empowered. Professionally, Irma has been deputy mayor of Indianapolis, vice president at two Fortune 500 corporations, and has owned four small businesses. After a very touching experience when conducting an eight-week financial literacy seminar for her church, she decided to help others take control of their finances, completed the Dave Ramsey Master Series Financial Coach Training, and started Onyx Rising Financial Services in 2016. She wrote Leading in Chaos, Insights to Lead Through the Storms to chronicle some incredible work experiences and give management insights to leaders as they navigate a toxic work environment. And, you know, I I love your bio. I love your background. I'm also from the Midwest. I'm also from a family of eight. I'm also from a family. um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm also from a family of, uh, you know, we were poor uh, growing up and limited financial resources. Um, So there's a lot of, of commonalities, I think, between our experiences. 
uh, but also, of course, a lot of difference as well. And so it'll be a fascinating opportunity to have a discussion with you today, um, not only about your background and your history in relation to, you know, rising from the ashes and, you know, fight, making the most out of difficult situations, but also, you know, where we're at today and how business leaders can respond to the challenges in an ever-changing and, you know, very dynamic and hyper-competitive uh, Mm -hmm. a marketplace where where they're constantly trying to establish and maintain a competitive advantage. Uh, mm -hmm. Irma, before we launch into the conversation, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of background or personal context um, about your history or or what got you to where you're at today? And then we'll we'll get into the conversation. Yeah. Well, I just like to add that I spent most of my experience management experience in government. Um, and um, was director of uh, several different governmental agencies and then went from there to corporate America. And I guess one of the things that really surprised me is how much corporate America is like government, you know? So I didn't have any problem with that transition at all. And then uh, of course the stand as deputy mayor. So I've been able to do a lot of different things. I retired in 2014. And as, as you probably know, when you work all the time, you can't just quit working. You gotta have something else to do, you know? So that's why I started Onyx Rising. Wonderful. And, and, and a wonderful book uh, to come out of your experiences as well, to share your wisdom and your insights with, with others. And I, right. do inc I encourage listeners to, to check out uh, Irma's book uh, because I think you'll, you'll find it to be very valuable. Well, so, it's it's interesting, you know, as as we again think about the situation we currently find ourselves in. Um, last March, uh, you know, everyone in the U.S. pretty much overnight, you know, had to flip a switch and figure out how they were going to deal with the pandemic circumstances. Right. And for many organizations, that meant going virtual almost overnight and and, okay. and managing a virtual workforce. Of course, everyone had to deal with the health. Um, elements of the pandemic, but also what began to emerge as people are socially isolated and, and uh, working and living at home and not being able to go out and connect and, and, you know, we're, we're social right. animals. And so very quickly, we started to see a lot of other things come, uh, not just the, the health scare of the pandemic, but the financial scare related to the pandemic and, and businesses closing, people losing jobs, unemployment going up, um, the social isolation, the mental health challenges associated with that, and the rise in um, cases of depression and other related mental health challenges. All of this was happening around the same time that the country was going through political kind of turmoil, social right. and civil unrest in many, I mean, right where you're at uh, in Indiana, right? In Indianapolis, um, a real hub point for so much pain um, that was facing our communities over the course of the summer. And you know, ultimately, we, we all just had to figure out how are we going, we going to deal with all of this. So maybe you can start by just helping us understand how you handled it. And, and then we can get into talking about how we, we can shift our paradigm, how we can shift our thinking um, from being reactionary to, you know, all the craziness, the messiness of life that gets thrown yeah. at us, especially during this past year. Uh, and then we, how, and then we can talk about how we can start to make the most of it. 
Well, I think one thing I'll add to, to your description of the pandemic is the other thing that it showed us is um, how important certain segments of our society are. If it were not for those fulfillment workers or Amazon and Walmart, and I know me personally, Amazon got a lot more of my business because, because <laughs> of the pandemic, you know? So it gave me an appreciation for those people on the front lines. And then of course they were, um, health-wise, they were um, more susceptible to what happened. How I dealt with it was, you know, you start with, and this may sound, you know, uh, just a cliche or something, but the one thing that my parents gave me was uh, never, there's no such word as can't. And I talk about that in the book because there has not been one situation through cancer, through the death of my husband at 47 years in marriage and he, he, he died in a car accident. Somebody rear-ended him and killed him instantly through sickness, through health, every, through all of those crazy things that happened in Washington, D.C. that I outlined in the book. I just never could quit. And there, and over the years, I have developed a calmness. The, the more noise there is around, the more focused I become, okay? And I know that that's practice, right? I know that that's something that I learned over the years and how to compartmentalize and, and in business, good businessmen, almost all of them will tell you they know how to compartmentalize, know how to keep going when there's stuff all happening all around them because they're focused on their goal. So the pandemic wasn't any different for me except that I spent more at Amazon. <laughs> so that's pretty much that. I hope I answered your question. On yeah, that. yeah, well, that's very interesting. And, and I think that resilient mentality that sounds like was exactly. ingrained was ingrained in you in your childhood exactly. from your exactly. parents and and yep. I can re I can relate to that again coming from a family where you know a large family where we all you know starting at the age of 10 working a paper out to earn money yep. and exactly. you know we all worked all the time we all we all went to college but we all paid our own way um, exactly. and and you know there are life lessons there about resilience and hard work and persistence that I think is important uh, I really liked what you just said about the ability to focus amidst the chaos and find right. find your calm. And, and sometimes I talk about it as my confident calm. How do yeah. I maintain uh, right. my calm and how do I, how can I be unflappable in the face of turmoil that's going on around me? Right. Uh, right. Whether it's family life and, you know, I don't have eight children like my parents did, but I have six children ages seven to 17. So we're busy, you know, we have craziness going on in our house. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's, it's a little nuts. And how do, how do you stay calm? Uh, how do you make sure that you're, you're meeting the needs of, of your family, uh, but also how that translates over into work life? How are you, you know, meeting the needs of your people, your, your employees, right. to make sure that they're taken care of. And you can't do that if, if you're, um, if you're flailing about Exactly. Uh, because of the external chaos. So finding ways to focus, finding ways to reconnect and recenter yourself and get back to your confident calm, I think is super important. 
And maybe we can talk about that a little bit, how you do that uh, on an ongoing basis. I know for me, you know, it's, it's things like, um, you know, daily meditation and prayer, uh, walking yeah. my dogs, like religiously yeah. walking my dogs, making sure it, cause it's good for them, but it's good for me, uh, exercise, um, you know, and, and just finding time to just quiet my mind, read, um, a book, uh, quiet my mind, do breathing exercises. You know, I'm like everyone else, just like you, I'm very busy, right? I'm, I'm, I'm right. running around doing a thousand different things, but you got to prioritize those elements to find calm or it's going to take over your life and, and yeah. you're going to be flailing about. What are the, some of the things that you've done to, to, well, that have helped you find that focus? You hit it on the head. Every day is prayer um, and meditation and um, just the practice of doing that every day. And then, and then it really is true. This is an old thing you probably heard before too. But before I act, I make sure I'm not angry, okay? And I've been in situations where I could have been very angry in the workplace. And those are some of the things that I um, outline in the book. And, and one of the other things, like the book goes from just regular, office decorum, employees acting up, to op opioid abuse on the, in the workplace, to mental health issues on the workplace, political patronage problems that you shouldn't have. And then, uh, and so in each of those situations, the first thing I had to do was make sure I was calm enough to deal with them. Because as you know, your employees take their cue from you. Okay, so if I'm screaming and acting crazy, then that means that the whole organization is going to start acting up and stuff. So that's the first thing. I don't ever act in anger. And I think that's why I was married 47 years, too. It's that, you know, I wait until the anger is gone. Okay. And then for me, then you can clearly see what you need to do. For me, my mind focuses and I see exactly what steps I need to take in the order I need to take them because I'm calm and I'm analyzing what's going on around. So, you know, that's what I found real helpful. And I do exercise a lot. I, I got, uh, I'm 70 years old and retired and I got the best health, <laughs> health, uh, uh, health exam I, I've ever had, you know, and I know it's because of the practice of being focused calm, doing the things that keep you calm, doing the exercise. Now I'm not like you, I can't run a marathon or anything like that. But Oh, you know. I can't run a marathon. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but yeah. So, um, you know, it is just the ability to focus when there's a, a lot going on. I, I'm, I've always been the calm one, you know, so, and that's yeah. practice. It's practice. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? 
Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. It is true there is some dispositional aspects to it. Um, And some people just seem to be, we all know them, that they just seem to be just kind of calm people. Uh, and so there is some disposition and some personality components to that, but it's, it is practice. Uh, you have to, you have to, it's a muscle. You have to exercise that muscle of calmness and being centered, um, in yourself and being authentic to yourself. All of that is interrelated. And if you're not doing that, then the, the stresses and the anxieties can start to overwhelm. And, And then, like you said, you know, every, Obviously, if someone is having an anxiety attack or or having some sort of a mental health crisis, people are going to rally around them and try to support them and be as helpful as possible yeah. to help get them through that, whether they're yeah. the boss or they're a, a lower right. level employee in the organization. Um, and I would hope that would be the case in any family, in any business. But the reality is, if you are in a leadership role and that's kind of your MO as someone who's just constantly running around, putting out fires, kind of, you know, uh, losing your temper, yelling at people. If, if that's kind of your MO and that's how you respond to crisis, that's how you respond to ch- difficulty and challenge, it's going to create a really unhealthy dynamic within your yeah. team. And your people are going to be, uh, they're not going to be very engaged. They're going to be nervous and scared of, exactly. of trying new things because they don't want to get yelled at or yeah. they don't want you to fly off the handle or lose your temper. And so, you know, absolutely, we, we need to learn how to practice what you're describing in our day-to-day interactions with our people and really in all of our relationships at yeah. home, at work, whatever. But then, you know, particularly for those people that we lead, that right. we need to help them understand that we're, you know, we, we lead by example. We're going to show through our actions and behaviors um, the importance of everything that we've just described. So if, it, if it's important for me to get exercise, to eat well, to get enough sleep, to, to practice, you know, mindfulness, um, to, you know, any, anything else that we want to list, if it's important for me to do that so I can be a good leader, it's certainly important for my people to do that so they can be good employees, so they can uh, achieve their potential, so they can grow into themselves and grow into their capacities and capabilities. And we have to, we have to model that for them. We have to mentor them and coach them and ultimately give them permission to, to be healthy and one with themselves. Right. And I think, yeah, and I think it's, it's to say to every employee that we have the privilege of leading is that I value you. And that's one of the things that I think is so important that to me, and I talk about this a little bit in the book too, there's, there's no throwaway person. Every single employee has something to offer. 
has something that they can contribute to the organization. And it's our job as leaders to, to find out what they, that is. And I always like to say, I like to find the diamond in the rough and then just polish it until it's just, you know, it's just pristine. It's, it's able to go on its own and go out into the world. And I've been real fortunate that a lot of people I've touched, that's what they come back 30 years later and say, you know, that, that you saw something in me that I didn't quite see in myself, you know. And that's the most rewarding thing of all, you know, to know that you had that kind of impact. Yeah, that, that's that's amazing. And I can only hope as I as I move on through my career that I'll have similar opportunities like you just described. I hope I'm making that kind of an impact in the lives of, yeah. of those around me. Um, it it's the number one most important thing a leader can do is to help individuals that you work with discover, understand, and really work to maximize and grow into their full potential uh, to grow into their capacities and capabilities and ultimately achieve more than perhaps they even thought they were capable of uh, because you mentor and coach them and help them to achieve it. That's, that's what true leadership is in my mind. Um, and that's certainly impactful leadership. That's, that's, uh, those are the types of leaders who change lives and, uh, that people remember, um, years, decades later, as I think about my life. And I think, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you. Um, I'm in my early forties. You're a whole lot younger than me. <laughs> I got a son older than you. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I think I think back on my my life and I think of, on uh, the examples of leaders I've seen around me. And unfortunately, I, I actually wrote a piece about this in the Wall, uh, not in the Wall Street Journal in Forbes uh, a month or two ago. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, I wish I could say that most of the leaders I've encountered have been the type of leader that we are just describing. Um Unfortunately, that's not the case. The vast majority of leaders that I've encountered um, have not grown into their capacity uh, as leaders because they're too caught up in the daily grind and they were too much, you know, caught up in running around like chickens with their heads cut off, just trying to put out fires. And perhaps they were focused mostly on their career and how to develop themselves and how to move into their next role. And so you know, I, I think that's such a, it, it's such an unfortunate and lost opportunity. Uh, I think of all those individuals, uh, and I, I'll try to be um, uh, generous to them and assume that they had good intentions to, to assume that they wanted, you know, to, to do as much as they could and, and, and perhaps even do more than they could. Uh, and I appreciate the, the work that those that I work with, the, the leaders that I've, I've, I've worked with in the past have, have put in because I understand how hard leadership is. But I wish, I really do wish that it wasn't the exception to have the type of leader we're describing. I wish it was the rule. I wish people who find themselves in leadership positions um, could more and more recognize that, that that is really at the core of what good leadership is. And it should be the experience that our people uh, that everyone, you know, get, goes to work knowing that they're working with an empowering boss who care, genuinely cares about them, who is going to help develop them and achieve their potential. And talk about dealing with chaos, talk about dealing with the hard things in life and the turmoil and, and making the most and finding the benefits out of the hard things that you face. That's going to happen when you have a leader like we're describing. 
uh, it's not going to happen when you have a leader who's looking at you as a cog in a wheel and trying to figure out how to, to extract more resources from you and how to get more productivity out of you and it use you and exploit you and abuse you and, and, uh, and whatever. So ultimately, it's not mutually exclusive. Like we can get the most out of our people and have highly productive teams and innovative teams and really genuinely care about them and help them and remain calm and help them learn how to, to function uh, amidst the crisis around them. Yeah, I would submit to you that that's how you get the, the uh, profit and the innovation and the, uh, all the good of that we as business leaders want to see out of our company is how we treat our people. And at the heart of it, it, I've always had this philosophy too, that you allow me to lead you as an employee. You really allow me to lead you. I have a servant's heart that you allow me to lead you. And I'm not gonna send you anywhere I wouldn't go myself. You see what I'm saying? And, and to me, on, in every aspect of my life, that has never failed. The expectation is high. I value you as high and people live up to what you expect most of the time, most of the time. If the standards are clear and set and all of that, they, they, I firmly believe they will live up to your expectation of them. If your direction is clear, if you get them to buy into the goal you're trying to reach and then just say, have at it, not micromanage, not you know, just have at it, okay? Don't be afraid to make an a, a error. Just don't make it twice. You know what I mean? Learn from it. You're not gonna get your head cut off because you make a mistake. Nobody gets up in the morning thinking, okay, I'm gonna make all kinds of mistakes today at work because that's fun. No, you know, it's a mistake. Mistakes can be corrected. You know, you just learn from them and you move on. Make sense? That makes sense to me, but yeah, you know. I, I think we're we're kindred hearts in in our philosophy and our approach, um, in in what makes for good organizations, good people, um, great teams. And yeah. I, I would encourage listeners. You know, I think people tune in to this podcast because they want to hear about how they can uh, improve their leadership skills, about how they can better manage their people. And I think what you share today in terms of the servant leadership philosophy, uh, in terms of uh, finding your confident calm and, and uh, helping to develop your people into their capacities, I think all of that is exactly where our focus needs to be. And it does, as you, you framed earlier, you know, it does require sometimes a paradigm shift because you know, as we're in the daily grind and we're going about our, our work, uh, the predominant narrative in at least U.S. culture, workplace culture, is not what we're describing. It's, exactly. you know, it's a doggy dog world. It's, you know, uh, everyone's out in it for themselves, out, out to, to, you gotta, you gotta work hard and earn your spot and, and uh, be the toughest one in the room. And, you know, that, that's kind of the general, narrative that I think is the dominant narrative that plays out in people's minds. And, and we, we need to shift that paradigm. We, we, if we want sustainable, healthy careers, um, where, where we're authentic, 
uh, and sincere individuals maximizing our own personal potential and helping others around us do the same, then we need to shift the paradigm. And, and I believe we can do it. Uh, it starts with acknowledgement and recognition of where we're coming from. And then we can work um, over time as we exercise that muscle, as we, as we discussed, um, we can, we can begin to take, you know, baby steps towards moving in the direction we want to go so that we can become more aligned. We can become uh, more centered uh, around healthy practices, right. both, both, you know, healthy, health, physical health, emotional, psychological health for ourselves, but relational health with, with those around us. Right. And we got such a bright generation coming up. I mean, they, uh, their expectations of work are different. Um, and we've seen that in the pandemic, their priorities about work are different. That's, that's the other thing. I mean, uh, my assessment of all the millennials I know is they're looking for balance. They, they don't want the dog eat dog, work hard all the time kind of thing. They're looking for more of a balance in their life. So again, we've got to make that shift. We have to, we, we definitely have to do that. Yeah. Well, Irma, it, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. The time has flown by and I need yeah. to respect your time. I know you need to, to get on with your day, but before we close, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, uh, find out more about your book or any uh, other work in progress, and then give us the last word on the topic for today. Okay. Uh, I can be connected through my company. Again, it's called Onyx Rising financial services and what we do is financial literacy it's an educational and we do a lot of individual and family counseling around money the book is called leading in chaos insights to lead through the storms it's available on amazon audible uh, barnes and noble it's available in all of the major outlets and i guarantee you it's a a short read but i guarantee you'll do two things it'll make your job job and it'll make you laugh. And there are at the end of every chapter, management insights from the things that I learned through some of those really incredible events that I went through. But I wanna say thank you for having me. It's been fun. Uh, I, I've been listening to your podcast and I learn something new every day. So that's a good thing too. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. I really appreciate uh, you sharing all of your experience and your insights with us. I encourage listeners to get connected, to reach out, uh, find out more about what you can do for them. Check out the book. Um, and as always, I hope everyone can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. I hope you can find satisfaction. I hope you can be healthy and safe. And I hope everyone has a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe 
and that you have a great week.